Welcome to the Good Missouri Politics. Memorial Day break over. The season of politics never stops here as we go into the summer. With the center at the at the center of everything at the end of session, Senator Paul William Jefferson County, welcome back to the Week of Missouri Politics. Glad to be here, Scott. Yeah. Let me just start off. The FRA. It is something that a lot of folks, if even if you follow politics, you don't know. Hospitals tax themselves. That money is sent to Washington. You have to pass a bill. Used to be every four or five years. Now it's every year to, to allow them to bring that money back into the state. Uh, and it really does fund a lot of hospitals. A lot right. of hospitals yeah. who go out of business without that money. Right. You uh, put an amendment on, and the reason you were probably the only person that could do this, you're legitimately pro-life. You've you've you filed lawsuits against the Obama administration at the time and won them when everybody else kind of poo-pooed and said it wouldn't work. And you're not running for Congress. It's not a stunt. You put a pro-life amendment on the FRA, and it really was the crux of what kind of ended session a day early. Tell folks what the motivation was and the strategy behind that amendment. Well, I've, um, I've always been, like you said, very pro-life. And the one thing that's always bothered me about the Missouri Medicaid program is that while we have a language that prevents us from paying for physical abortions, there's nothing to prevent us from paying for chemical abortions, which basically is what the drugs do. So um, just like my lawsuit against Obamacare, I focused on the abortion offense that were in the Missouri Medicaid program. And I had played around with the language in years past, and then this year, I guess I finally figured I've only got two years left. It's time to do it or not do it. And I thought before I leave the Senate, I needed to make a sincere effort to try to prevent taxpayers from having to fund these abortion drugs. So this amendment had the support of your colleagues. Mm -hmm. It gets on to the FRA. The Democrats don't, they, typically the FRAs went out clean. Democrats didn't want to see that on there. So basically, this, there's a clock ticking to September 30th, correct? Mm -hmm. That you either pass this bill in some form, or many hospitals, the folks watching this show, they won't have a hospital there. It'll, it'll just go away. Right. Won't have the funds to operate. Let me walk through here. So you have a federal policy. Since you filed this and put this amendment on, which is early in session, right. the Hyde Amendment, which is something that says the federal government can't pay for abortions, is a budgetary matter. It's been taken out. It's not right. gone, but it's, it's definitely in jeopardy with the people that the voters have elected to, to run the federal right. government. Now you have um, you have a uh, you have a leadership that has said, okay, we gotta no matter what, we gotta pass this out. This has to pass for the betterment of the state. Right. Walk folks through when you really break this down. What I've always felt like what will happen is looks like you're gonna win. The governor, you had to be yeah. kind of satisfied to see the governor said, I'm not gonna bail Senate leadership out. I'm not going to give a strict call, so you're going to be out of order. I'm going to give a broad call. What was it like when you heard that from the governor, first off? Well, um, I appreciate the governor. I appreciate the governor's position. The governor being a, a senator mm -hmm. himself, he understands that the Senate is a very unique animal and that uh, you can't force things through the Senate. You can't. You have to build consensus. Mm -hmm. And I think that because the governor understands that, that's why the governor's kind of taking a hands-off approach and saying, you guys need to work this out. And then when you get it figured out what you want to do, bring it to me. So. The first fix was the governor gives a really strict call where your amendment's out of order. The second one was maybe there's a rule promulgated that does what you're looking for but doesn't really, but, but also you would have to put in statute. Are right. you open to a rule change to satisfy your concerns? Yeah, I've, I've been open ever since I put the amendment on the bill. I've been open to negotiations and talking. And um, actually me and Senator Hagman came to agreeable language between what I thought was, if I thought Senator Hagman represented leadership, so I thought Senate Republican leadership and myself had come to an agreement on what language was acceptable. Um, and then it just kind of sat there and we didn't go nowhere until later on in the end of the session. But I've always been willing to sit down and talk about how we can accomplish what I want to accomplish. Um, I, don't know, I'm, I, got, I got open door policy, I'm willing to talk to anybody. 
Looks to me like on one side you're the maybe the most honest broker on wanting this this uh, policy enacted. Mm -hmm. Senator Hagan may be the most honest broker. Whatever we do, we've got to get an FRA done. Oh, I think we both agree with that. The two I'm, of you seem to be the ones the, to get in the room, right? The whole the whole thing is we have to get FRA done. I 100% yeah. agree with that. But I don't think that we have to give up our principles uh, because some nameless, faceless bureaucrats are making threats. So I think there's a path forward. So what I, what happens right now is, if we, because you didn't expand Medicaid, if you expanded right. Medicaid, you'd have to accept all family planning drugs under the FDA, correct? Um, yes. So you didn't expand Medicaid. So right. what happens right now? Let's walk this through. You pass okay. this with your amendment, which it looks like where the momentum's heading is the FRA passes with your pro-life language on it. So that happens, then you send it to the federal government. Those bureaucrats say, this is out of compliance. So you say, we're gonna sue you. And I, I would think Mike Parson as an attorney general, Eric Schmidt, they would have no problem suing the Biden administration. Right. Biden administration probably has no problem going to court over this. Right. Two or three years from now, this ends up at a court ruling that says you can do this or you can't, right? I would, yeah, it's yeah, happening, yeah. Now let me ask you the next question. Let's say there's a guy in Scotland County, Missouri, hammering, breaks his finger, gotta get his thumb fixed, gotta get back to work. Without the FRA, the hospital in Scotland County closes. Your successor calls you up, Representative Coleman, Shaw, uh, Representative Ruth. They call you up and say, I'd like, what do I do here? Let's say it's went through the full process. This guy's got to get his thumb fixed. That hospital's got to stay open. If it goes through the process and you don't, you aren't successful, would you advise your successor to vote for a clean FRA? Well, yeah, I mean, I think what you do, you look at, we've, it's kind of like going through due process. Mm -hmm. You, We can't, as a state, sit back and allow um, the, administration of Washington to dictate our policies we have to push back and say no state of Missouri values life we're not going to fund these abortions at the end of the day it goes through all the court challenges and the court says no the FRA has to be clean then yeah then we accept the results but um, and I would advise them that you know hey if we've got our due process we went through the courts the court said we were wrong they were right we need to fund the FRA but I don't think that we'll get there because I think right now the, there are other states that are restricting, they decide what they're going to put in and what they're not going to put in their family planning programs. That's all we're trying to do is what other states have done. Now, once we expand Medicaid, it changes the game. But mm -hmm. right now, where we're at today, without expanding Medicaid, we're like a lot of other states, and I don't think that the Biden administration will challenge us or call us on it. Now, once we expand Medicaid, then I could say them saying, hey, wait a minute, you got to explain it. You got to cover all these. The and then yeah. it could be an issue. But um, and then at that point in time, like you said, we go down the route that you talked about to where they're going to say you're out of compliance. We're going to say we have the right to be out of compliance. It'll be a lawsuit. It'll go on for a couple of years and the courts will decide who's right and who's wrong. So coming out of the end of session, you wrote a letter to your colleagues saying um, you felt like you weren't dealt with in a manner that a senator deserves. You suggest there should be some different leadership in the Senate. Uh, what all went behind that and what's been the response to that letter? Well, first off, I would say that the letter was never intended to be made public. I sent out 23 letters to 23 of my fellow caucus members. Um, someone released it, which I can't control who does what. Um, but that was never my intention for it to be a public discussion. Um, now that it's out there, I can tell you that um, I have talked to probably every day since it's been out there, one or more senators every day about the situation in our caucus. And it's something that we're going to have to work through as a caucus and decide um, where we're going to go. So this past session, early in session, you had a very successful year. I mean, you passed several bills, yep. not small bills, big right. pieces of legislation. Right. Um, if you all meet, I guess you're, you'll have a summer caucus or a fall caucus or whatever. Mm -hmm. It looks like you'll be back for a couple of special sessions. It looks that way, yeah. Uh, so. If you come back for a special session on, say, redistricting mm -hmm. and the same leadership still in leadership in the Senate, um, 
you okay with it? You show up to work and try to move your legislation again? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to. I mean, I'm, I'm just, what I'm doing is, I guess, being the, the second oldest senator up there, I've got more tenure than Senator Hagman is the only one that's been there longer than me. As you were in the felt, House, you had a spelt black head of right, hair, yeah, now you're yeah, a senator right, with a gray yeah, beard, right. yeah. Um, but I thought it was important for me to, to kind of take a leadership role and send out that letter and tell my colleagues what you experienced, especially for the freshman senators, yeah. what you experienced in the last week of session is not normal. This is extraordinary. And actually, I'd contacted people that had served in the Senate in the past and I, since the end of session. And I said, has this ever, is this, have you seen this happen before? And no one I've talked to has seen this kind of situation. So I think it's unprecedented. And I thought I needed to bring that to the attention of the caucus and let, especially the younger, I guess, junior members of the caucus know what we experienced is not normal. This is not what's supposed to happen. And Senator Rizzo, I think, felt uh, he felt like he was deceived a little bit. Mm -hmm. Have you spoken to Senator Rizzo since seeing this session? Briefly, yes. Yeah. Um, I did the other day, and we're going we're to get to have a phone conversation again next week. But, um, but we spoke briefly, and I did appreciate a lot of what he said. One of the things that kind of surprised me more than anything about the last day was that as Senator Rizzo was making his statements and I guess voicing Aaron his concerns mm -hmm. about what had happened in the process was that there was not a single Republican member that stood up and defended our caucus leadership. Nobody said, wait a minute, Senator, maybe you got this wrong. There was silence, crickets. And that, to me, and then he made the motion for adjournment and not a single Republican senator went to the floor and tried to stop adjournment. I think we as a Republican caucus were totally deflated on that last day and totally disappointed. And I think that's why that happened the way it did. Last question. Give me a prediction. The, the FRA in some form passes before September 30th. Is that oh, correct? I, I would say Does 99 Does the FRA pass with your amendment on it, a version of it? I would say 50-50 on that, yeah. I think it may be a little more than 50-50, but well, I mean, we'll come back we'll here. We'll see which one of us is right, okay. maybe both of us. All right. All right. Sounds great. So thank you for joining us. Okay. So appreciate thank it. Thank you. We'll be right back with our opinion maker panel. But first, go to showmissouri.com. This week we're in Putman County, Missouri, where the PC stands for Putman County, not politically correct, the home of the fighting midgets, one of the best counties you've, I've ever been to, Roland Hills. They sent their state rep a letter one time that said if you give the speech he was planning to give on succession, they were so pro you, and they said if you come back to Putman County afterwards, you should brandish your gun because you're going to need it. Good place. Fun, sp fun spot. ShowMissouri.com. This is Missouri One County Time. We'll be right back after this. All across Missouri, our new car and truck dealers are building strong local economies. When you buy a car or truck in Missouri, you're helping to support over 20,000 Missouri families who rely on the auto industry for good-paying local jobs. You're also helping fund our communities, schools, first responders, and our roads because dealers generate millions of dollars in tax revenue. Missouri's automobile dealers have been the foundation of our communities for generations and for generations to come. The Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, the heart of Missouri. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state, helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, 
boost reliability with self-healing equipment and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. That's energy at work. Welcome back to Week of Missouri Politics. Opinion maker panel time. A man that's considering exploring running for St. Louis County Executive Schmidt Dogan, maybe. That's right. We'll hear more later this summer. The roar from Baldwin. Republican strategist Lane Koch, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Pat White, the man that fights for the working man, welcome back to the show. Good to be back. And Braxton Payne, Democrat strategist at the newly married. Hey now. The blackmail you must have on that poor woman. I can't <laughs> even imagine. It's, there's a. There's a lot there. Let's just put I, well, it that way. And you know, I'm happy that you're the one that figured it out. Uh, <laughs> Shemel, let's talk about the U.S. Senate race. It looks like Congresswoman Vicki Hartzer is getting in. That means you've got three folks from your neck of the woods. You have the Attorney General Eric Schmidt. You have Martin McCloskey in the Central West End and Central West End former Governor Eric Greitens. Vicki Hartzer, I think um, she does have a compelling case. Being the only woman in the race you saw in an auditor's primary a few years ago, that mattered. Then being the only rule person. I mean, size it up. Well, I think um, it's going to be an interesting race because you got two or three other members of Congress considering running. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard Ann Wagner's name thrown around, Jason Smith. Um, and so, you know, people will kind of wait to see how the field shakes out. And then, of course, you're going to have all these down ticket consequences. You've got people sure. in our caucus, you know, looking at running for those congressional seats. So I'm just sitting back and kind of waiting. I'm not uh, endorsing anybody except for anybody but Greitens. So. <laughs> Lane Koch, I mean, it looks to me like you've got a couple lanes here. Yep. Vicki Hartzler could, could apply to the most right wing of people. Yep. Plus, she's kind of in a lane where, you know, she's never been accused of having like a sex dungeon and she's never pulled a machine gun on people. She's kind of in this race, maybe in the establishment lane with Eric Schmidt. Mm -hmm. I really thought when Mark McCluskey got in the race, that was probably a good thing for Eric Schmidt. Who does Vicki Hartzler help or hurt? You know, I think Vicki Hartzler hurts Eric Schmidt. I do. I think that Vicki is going to pull a lot of female votes. She has the largest geographic region. I think Mark McCluskey absolutely takes votes from Eric Greitens. And my wish would be that everyone except Eric Greitens get together and talk about who has the best chance so that we can avoid an Eric Greitens. You know, honestly, running for office, people in the media always mock it and say, oh, what idiots. It's very, very hard to do. It is extremely mm -hmm. hard to win an election. And, and, and glossing over that's just silly. Uh, mm -hmm. Mark McCluskey, gets in. Mm -hmm. Now you, you have to assume the first time the person runs for office they're going to make some mistakes they make. But I've seen him be pretty savvy thus far. I mean the way he's approached it's been been pretty well. Absolutely. He's using Arsenal. They're a fantastic firm. I think they're doing a great job. Um, Mark I think rec rep represents a lot of Missourians that, that ticked uh, off. Yeah. Braxton Payne, uh, I mean you have to look at this right. If you have Eric Greitens you got a legitimate chance to win a Senate race. Who with? Is it Scott Sipton? Is it this Kuntz guy? that uh, has been in the military? I think if you put up anybody against Eric Greitens, you have a very good chance. I mean, it could be an empty suit. But also, I think Mark McCloskey, you said he's from Central West End. I mean, according to his campaign photos, he, he's probably more <laughs> likely from Butler County. All you city with, people, with, with, when nice, you run? Uh, with the nice little, you know, gold chain that he had there. All and, you and city people love the city it's until beautiful. you run problems and y'all want to act uh, like yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, he's the Republican, not me. But I, I really do think that if, if Eric Greitens is the nominee, which is a very good possibility, sure. especially if you have Absolutely. seven people in the race, I mean, yeah. he only needs 20% of the vote. Um, and I think he could very well likely get that. And all the polling shows that he has high name ID, which is what you need in a primary. So I think that would be a very inter interesting race for any Democrat to get in. Pat White, I'm going to throw one name to you, the person I think could win this race. Uh, it looks to me like if you have an Eric Schmidt, the Republicans are going to keep this seat with the Democrat administration. Uh, outside of that, uh, Jay Nixon. Yeah, I've heard that too. And uh, Jay has always been a friend of 
pretty much everybody in Missouri, but especially labor. And, uh, you know, I like Scott Sifton. I don't know that Scott has the name recognition to beat an Eric Schmidt. You know, it's just funny that I'm going to sit back and eat my popcorn and, and watch the primary because, you know, it's, the, it's one of those races where the litmus test begins and ends in Mar-a-Lago. You know, they're all going down sure. there to, you know, figure out, you know, to get the blessing of a guy who won the state by double digits. So I don't, you know, I, I'm interested to see but, where but that Pat goes. White, even among your members, I mean, Donald Trump still has a deep connection to this state. Now, you can say that's good, that's bad, whatever, but there is the fact of the matter is, you, I'm going to Reynolds County later today, there's Trump flags that are still up, and it's, it's mm -hmm. June. I mean, the connection he made to this state is a unique thing, and it's still very real. And I don't get it, but sure. I, I understand, and I, yeah, because I've got, you know, people where I'm at in O'Fallon, yeah. you know, so, uh, yeah, we'll see. Like I said, I, I'm interested to see where that shakes out. You know, you got a guy who's uh, famous for having an assault rifle on protesters, another guy who's famous for blowing up, uh, you know, plants in a field you know, who are, you know, seem to be the front runners, and we'll see what happens. Like I said, I'm going to sit back and watch. You know, we're going to, the Democratic side, I don't really know much about the other two guys on the other side of the state, but Scott's a good guy. I just, I, I hope that he gets his name out there and Scott we'll sit back. Scott's an underrated campaigner, isn't he? Yeah, he works hard. He does. Um, you know, but when it comes to that, it's really more about name recognition than anything else, you know, especially on the statewide. Prediction time. I'm going to ask them which member of Congress gets in. Give me a surprise. I want to ask you, does Jay Nixon file next year? <laughs> Let's just say I hope so. <laughs> no, no Missouri in the history. Going Thomas Hart Bitten, Kit Bond, Stuart Symington. No one's ever had more folks walk into a booth and check Jay Nixon than, than anybody else. Add up everybody in the history of the state. He has more vote, people voted for him. Does he run for U.S. Senate? No. Which member of Congress, Lane Cove, that's looking at this actually runs? Most likely to run. I don't know. You know what I think about Nixon, though? Oh, I think if, if Greitens gets through the primary and Nixon were to run, mm -hmm. He swings a lot of Republican votes. I agree with that. He always has. Give me, give me a member of Congress most likely to jump in. I think there's a good chance Jason Smith does it. I mean, he's got a lot of great credentials. Um, he's like the other congressmen. He's not necessarily well-known throughout the state, but if he gets that Trump endorsement especially, he's your guy. Don't sleep on Billy Long. I think he's seriously considering this as well. The person I think that she's going to do what she wants to do all day long. She's not going to take orders from anybody. If Ann Wagner wakes up one day and runs for U.S. Senate, she will. She'll be very formidable. And I think that the thing about her is no one's going to convince her or influence her. She's going to do what she wants to do. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Pat White, uh, the legislature moved the gas tax out. Going to increase it a couple cents a year for right. a few years. Uh, you know, to me, one of the I, I'm not a tax guy. I'm not a government guy. But by George, the state is, is infrastructure poor. We need roads. Yeah. And this isn't a thing where you define infrastructure as all sorts of other stuff. This is like roads. Right. This is actually the one thing you'd all agree on. Right. Uh, it looks like it may be heading to the ballot. What happens? Well, you know, it looks like that kind of took a downturn from uh, Ashcroft's office last week. He kind of uh, said the ballot language is wrong. Now they got to go back and get a hundred and so many thousand uh, signatures in, I don't know, 30 days. You know, it, it's one of those things where we actually teamed up with the chamber. Uh, because if somebody doesn't like the tax, they can get 100% of that tax back at the end of the year. Sure. Um, all they got to do is keep the receipts. So really, it's one that it's really a tax on people coming through the state more than anything if you want to get your money back. They did it in, I believe, South Carolina. And uh, so it's really something that if you're a Missouri uh, taxpayer, you can get all that back. You know, really, we're trying to get the folks coming through the state. And it's $500 million that's not even been matched yet by the federal government. So that could be a a billion dollars in roads and bridges. So now that Braxton's married, he's settled down. He probably can save all his receipts and turn them into the year. <laughs> I am nowhere organized to do that. I just think it's, you know, if you look at that big truck I drive, 
1992, when the last major infrastructure thing was done, that truck got about a third the gas mileage it gets today. You, you're getting taxed per gallon. You're really probably not paying near as much as you were because it's, it's per gallon and trucks, cars, more efficient. Yeah, but the thing is, it's like this provides much needed jobs. And like, sure. you know, outside of, you know, our, our roads and our bridges are failing, you know, our school buses go across those bridges every day. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is, you know, have your school bus go across a bridge mm -hmm. that could collapse at any moment. Um, we've needed to do it for many years. I'm glad it finally passed. I'm glad that the team effort between the chamber and organized labor um, pushed this through. But I think the, the one thing that we forget is that this will provide jobs, but also those jobs will provide money for school districts um, and taxes, and they'll, they'll stay in our local community, and that's the most important thing. Dogan, I mean, this made it through the legislature. Will legislators go out and defend this? I think so, because um, this is different than the sales tax that the voters rejected before. Mm -hmm. A gas tax is really more like a user fee, and like Pat mentioned, it's refundable. I mean, how often do you hear the government saying, you know, we're going to take your money, but you can get it back. Um, and it's proven to be effective in South Carolina, and roads are one of the basics that every conservative um, says that our state's got to do. You can't build your own roads. Well, it's one thing to be conservative, one thing to you run this like a business. Well, businesses invest in their business. If you don't, I mean, not a very good businessman. I mean, I, I think they'll get back on the ballot. I mean, I think the way this is done, you can go back and get on. There'll be some lawsuits and stuff, but let's assume this is on the ballot. What happens? Yeah, I think there's there's a, a strategic bipartisan approach to bringing this to Missouri voters and getting them to consider it. I think that for conservatives, um, talking about how we can attract business and companies to come into Missouri is going to work really well. And on the Democrat side, talking about pe talking to people about how it will create jobs, and I think people might support it. I think, though, too, the Americans for Prosperity, the ones that are, you know, funding or potentially funding a ballot initiative, they don't have the infrastructure in Missouri. Um, you know, right to work, putting that on the ballot was a tough feat, you know, sure. with a lot of money spent, but also a lot of volunteers. Americans for Prosperity don't have that. So getting it on the ballot, especially collecting that many signatures in, you know, 30 days to put it on the ballot, I just don't see it as a realistic feat. Interesting. And you've actually been, I'm not an expert in actually getting these signatures. When you hear that number in those days, you think that's a tough hill to climb? Oh, yeah. I mean, you also have to get it in six of the eight congressional districts. So it's not yeah. just you have to go collect signatures in St. Louis County or in Butler County. You so know, nobody you in to, Butler County or Putman County should expect anybody asking for signatures. We just tell folks I, I wouldn't <laughs> expect, uh, unless unless they can, you know, drum up a couple million dollars in the next couple of days with uh, millions of volunteers, or not millions, hundreds of volunteers, I just don't think that that's going to happen. Lincoln Days this week, and everybody's going to talk about IP reform. Shouldn't you just make them get the signatures in every congressional district? I, I'm kind of fine with what we have right now. I think six out of eight congressional districts is a pretty high hurdle um, to meet. I'm more concerned about um, kind of the different standards. Uh, I think you should have a different standard for a constitutional amendment than you do for just putting something in statute. You stand outside Hickory Log in Dexter, Missouri, and ask somebody to sign something from the government. <laughs> if you get five suckers, I'd be shocked. Yeah. Wouldn't it just be easier instead of IP reform? Just have them go to go to Memphis, Missouri. Yep. Go to Bunker, Missouri. Try to get those folks on board. This is what I do for a living is paid field, and getting, I agree, a constitutional amendment is incredibly challenging. Six out of the eight is incredibly challenging. You yeah, need, but they you pick Chesterfield a, and Lee Summit. None of them come down and see a, us hit. You need a year and a half in millions of dollars to accomplish that with paid field staffers, not just volunteers, and it is a, an exponential feat to do it. So is the only hick on the panel, I'm the only one thinks you should get us hicks to sign it too? 
I oh, you do, but you have to you have to go like this past year getting an initiative on the ballot. We usually will go to places like DMVs and libraries. You have to go door to door. With this past year, we had to go door to door to get initiatives on the ballot. Now you have to, you can't just it, rely on people. Should it only be people. in the places where the doors are real close together, or should it be like in Butler County where the roads are about a quarter, the houses are a quarter mile apart on gravel road? Well, you should be targeting people so that you maybe can, Medicaid would have more support if somebody on a gravel road had signed the petition. Yeah. Pat White, you had a very good week this week. Folks, uh, the, the paycheck protection, I've heard this argument from so many folks that the way they did this was illegal. The only way they could get it through the legislature was to opt out different folks. The paycheck protection bill that was passed went down in court. Tell me what actually was passed and why it went down. Well, they what they did was, they it was H. Bill 1413, and uh, it you know basically put uh, more stringent restrictions on our public sector unions to go out every year and have to have people re-sign back up and it cut out some of the first responders and that which a lot of it made a lot of it was unconstitutional um, and that's what went down you know they the the people that push this don't want to make the first responders mad but they also don't like unions so um, they don't you know so when they start cutting out people that I represent, like union firefighters. I mean, I've got thousands of union firefighters that I represent. This bill you know, could not have passed if they left firefighters. No, just couldn't. no, and uh, because no one wants to come out like they're against firefighters, but they want to come out against social workers who are the least paid people in the country in this, that work for the state. You know, so these folks are making pennies on the dollar, and uh, they want to make it even harder for them to unionize. So uh, we were very happy with it. Um, we know there were. Bills up there teed up because they thought this this um, the decision was going to come down earlier because there are still folks out there like Senator Onder and uh, and uh, Justin Hill up where I'm at that really want to still fire at this and you know it's already been shot down by you know the the Missouri Supreme Court so we're hoping it stays that way. So. What happens, Rex? I mean, I, they'll make another run at this. Can you pass this bill through the Missouri legislature, even with the supermajority Republicans, if it targets firefighters? Uh, no, <laughs> there's no way that it'll pass. But also, I think one of the people that won with this is the Operating Engineers Local 148. They had uh, highway uh, workers in Franklin County. Um, they've been organized for two years, and Dave Henson and the commissioners were not allowing them to be represented by the union. And now with this ruling, they're going to be able to be union represented, and they've been paying dues for two years without representation because they want to be a member of a union that bad. And this ruling forces them to be recognized, right? Uh, uh, yes, that's the goal. Over the minute left, who won the week? I would have to say uh, Captain David Doran's family and the Ethical Society of Police. They had a memorial service at the one-year anniversary of his murder just earlier this week, and it was really wonderfully put together. Great tribute to him. The of the Republican Party, who won the week? I'm going to say Representative Nick Schroer for his work that he's doing to build a coalition to make sure our police stay funded. He's got his own T-shirt now, which I'm sure they thought would take him off, but I know for a fact Nick's going to love. I like the T-shirt. <laughs> I'd get one. Uh, who, uh, who won the week? Public sector unions. Uh, like like uh, Braxton mentioned, just those folks down in Franklin County. That's, uh, that's been a big win for us. Yeah. Who won the week? Uh, my old high school, uh, Zumalt South, the uh, girls' soccer team won state this week. Uh, I'm very proud of Coach Lane and Coach Sanders. Uh, they did a lot for me when I was in high school, and I'm really proud of them. And you're like involved in all these different sports that I, I don't even know about. But when I talk to you, you're like going to a sporting event, a volleyball thing or something. Yeah, it's it's, it's a hobby, but also a lifestyle. Well, the you know, it's fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you who I think won the week, and it's a person who's been predicting something for a long time. It's Susan Klein, Missouri Right to Life. She's been predicting that Hydrogen would go away, and all these things that, frankly, folks thought were very theoretical would become more real to Missourians. And when you think of the abortion issue, I think she was right. She was the lone voice crying in the wilderness for a long time on this, and she looks like her days come. Hope we'll see you next week when we'll see you at Lincoln Days on this week in Missouri Politics.
This Week in Missouri Politics, sponsored by the Missouri Association of Career Fire Protection Districts, Spire, and Sterling Bank. Guys, thank you so much for watching the show. I want to tell you about a new thing we're offering. It's the Missouri Times Podcast Network. You'll get this show every week. If you want to listen to it in your car, you don't have time to watch it. You'll get our show in Missouri podcast, History of Missouri, one county at a time. You'll also get our midweek update. Once a week, I throw up the uh, Facebook Live. I, 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 we talk politics, usually eat a lunch and discuss politics. You'll get to hear all those things come right to your phone. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Android. Missouri Times Podcast Network. Please join us and subscribe.